Blog Talk Radio. tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk as we get you set, get you ready, get you prepared for Monday Night Raw tonight. Head on over, check us out on the Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Head on over there, we got discussions, we got a show chat going on right now, and over the course of the month, you got you want to get involved with this because we are going to decide which team in the history of of Survivor Series is the greatest team ever. We got like an eight-team tournament right now. And in the Western Conference, the Hulkamaniacs and Team Andre have advanced, and they'll be meeting each other in the semifinals. Right now, the, the voting that, that the matchup you have to vote for right now is in the Eastern Conference. DX, Team DX versus the bad guys. Team DX versus the Bad Guys. DX from 06 against Team Bad Guys from 1994. It's plain and simple. We're deciding winners based on your votes. Right now, Team Bad Guys is a slim lead uh, to advance in this tournament, but that's what up right now. We're going to put another matchup up a little bit later on. And then Survivor Series night, when we do our pregame show, we'll decide the greatest Survivor Series team of all time. But you've got to vote right now. On Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show, Team DX from 2006, or Team Bad Guys from 1994. Head over to check that out. Check us out on Twitter, at The Ken Reedy Show. That is at The Ken Reedy Show is our handle on Twitter. And you go to our website, TheKenReedyShow.com. Blogs, bios, pictures. We got listener pictures over there. Go check out our Face, our, our website, thekenreadyshow.com. And there's all our social media stuff, our stuff all around the internet. Be sure to check that out. We want to hear from you tonight. It's Go Home Night on Monday Night Raw, getting ready for Survivor Series 347 838 9815. That is the number to call. And as we've gone through the years and years of pay per views, Survivor Series, the second longest running pay-per-view in the history of the WWE, one of the original Big Four, and as we go into the go-home show for Survivor Series tonight on Monday Night Raw, the WWE gives to us Grumpy Cat 
I know everyone's got to be totally excited. None more excited than my tag team partner all the way from Connecticut hanging out on hold. Now he's on live. Dave, how you doing this evening? Yay. You <laughs> have grumpy cat. Man, I, yeah, I, I just say no more. Exactly. I say no more regarding this this fallacy that is yeah. that is known as grumpy cat on my wrestling program. I'll leave and it that, I mean, you'll be in danger if you call in with a grumpy cat phone call. There, there is a danger that you might we might just hang up on you. <laughs> I, I don't. When no, I saw the commercials, like a grumpy cat's going to be on the go home show. I was. You know, it's like, and it's weird, Dave, because anytime you have a certain amount of optimism, it's like it's tapered with stuff like Grumpy Cat on Raw. But, you know, again, we talk a lot on the show, and we, we tried. It's been tough. It's been a tough go as of late, especially since SummerSlam. The, the product has been suspect at best. Um, and and we've, we've been vocal. We've been critical on the show, and rightfully so. And, again, the show, we don't piss and moan a lot, but it has not been good. But well, let's try to get back on that positive tip. And one thing that may have been the gold nugget of last week in, in wrestling, Friday Night SmackDown, hell of an IC Championship triple threat match. Slowly but surely, you know, it's not where it used to be, but I do believe that the IC title has gained a little bit of prestige. It's been good for Ziggler and hell of a triple threat match uh, um, on SmackDown. One negative I would take out of that, still wondering where exactly they're going to go with Cesaro. We'll table that conversation. But the match in and of itself, tremendous matchup, Dave. Well, it was, it was a, I mean, going back and watching, I watched it earlier before we got on the show, and the three men, they, they performed very well. All three worked well together. As far as Cesaro goes, yeah, it was very difficult because you, they put themselves in a situation where, you know, Cesaro, in my opinion, he's a very talented guy. I think his character needs more exposure in terms of, you know, more wins and needs to be taken more seriously. Tyson Kidd, he's, Tyson Kidd you know, he, he's done some great stuff in NXT, uh, you know, if you watch it on the network. But uh, bring him up to the main roster. I don't know what constituted him getting an Intercontinental Championship match, but I think that went along the storylines of the authority um, you know, just trying to stack the deck up against Dolph Ziggler, so they just kind of randomly picked a few guys. But, um, you know, all three guys deserve, you know, to be in the limelight. And Tyson Kidd's a phenomenal athlete. Ziggler, too, and, of course, Cesaro. So, you know, unfortunately, somebody had to be a loser here in the situation. Um, in, in one instance, eliminating Cesaro first didn't really help his matter, but at the same time, it also helped, you know, Tyson Kidd that, he was down to the wire with Dolph Ziggler and put on a very competitive match. The spots were great. The crowd was behind it 100%. It felt like, it, it, granted, the match was just advertised you know, at the beginning of the show that it was going to be an Intercontinental Championship triple threat match. But the, the, the idea of adding an elimination to it I thought was pretty cool, one. And secondly, it made the match seem really important that, you know, that, that that it just even happened. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but, like, it just it just came across as, like, a really big deal. And you don't see that with secondary championships nowadays, with the exception of, you know, Rusev's title win on the network after Raw went off the air. So, to me, um, I, I, I loved it overall. I just wish that, you know, that they found something meaningful for Cesaro to do. I don't it just I, I still scratch my head as to, you know, why they've, they, they they put him in the positions that he's in. He cares. I mean, he's over with the crowd. He's very athletic. He's got this freakish strength. He's like a throwback to like 
the old wrestlers, the, the, the big brawlers, but he could just do about anything. I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but uh, overall, the match was great. I, I, I'd love to see him do it again. I'm, I'm all, if, if the match is that good, I'd love to see a rematch. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, again, you could, you could take a little bit of negative out of that because of uh, Cesaro and, and, you know, a character right now who's, you know, as a performer, sky's the limit. I mean, we've been on his bandwagon for, for a long time. Um, characters floundering. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts with Cesaro. I mean, that dude's lost right now. He is, a, you know, borderline glorified jobber at this point, and he's way too talented uh, to, to be slotted in that role. Um, so that's a negative take out of it. I agree with you. I think it, it's great for Tyson Kidd. Um, I, I, you know, I think it really showcased his his talents. And again, you know, as far as it's not there yet, but I agree with you. It it, it gave it a measure of importance. Um, it, it just felt like a happening on SmackDown, which is is you know needed for that IC Championship. It it seemed like that title really mattered. Um, and I liked I I liked the fact that they made an elimination match. Um, Almost as kind of, you know, we're in Survivor Series season, getting ready for Survivor Series. You know, the elimination matches, uh, you know, traditional Survivor Series matches, as they say. So I kind of like the fact that it wasn't just a purely triple threat match that they gave you uh, an elimination kind of twist to it. So I I thought that worked well. Um, I thought all three guys uh, really distinguished themselves as performers. I thought it was good for Ziggler because Ziggler, you know, Ziggler's... You know, another guy's had an up-and-down career. But, you know, coming off of, you know, a few years back when it looked like he was on his way to main event status, the unfortunate concussion, dropping down. Now he's put in a place where he's in the main event at, at a pay-per-view, uh, albeit part of Team Cena. Um, go ahead, what did you say? No, I didn't say anything. Well, well maybe that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing voices. Um, Anyway... Um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's good for him that, like, you know, he, he had a match like that. Uh, maybe he's moving up the, the reins as far as, uh, you know, moving into that main event picture again. Um, so I, I thought, you know, again, the only negative that came out of that was uh, where exactly is Cesaro character. But uh, the match in and of itself was just a tremendous match. And uh, a lot a lot of positive came out for both Tyson Kidd and Dolph Ziggler as we get ready for Survivor Series. And one of the other positives um, that I've seen uh, as of late, um, I'm really intrigued with the Wyatts and where they're going with the Wyatts. And, you know, we had we had a long talk in our pre-show meeting, and, and what I find very interesting about the Wyatt clan is, you know, traditionally when you see a faction break up, uh, somebody screws someone else, someone turns on someone, there's a big brouhaha, you know, and then members of the faction fight each other, you know, that's usually how your typical faction breaking upping does, goes in in, uh, in the history of pro wrestling. Um, this has been an, an odd breakup, and I don't even know if you call it a breakup, um, and, you know, I wasn't totally in favor of, of them splitting up the Wyatts when it looked like the writing was on the wall that they were going in their separate directions. But they're still kind of the Wyatts. Uh, they haven't uh, really changed their personalities. And, uh, the, the I mean, let's go one by one. I mean, first of all, Eric Rowan, um, we don't know what exactly is going on with him, but I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Uh, don't know what he, he might be looking for, but I, I'm intrigued by it. 
Um, Luke Harper, the way we ended Monday Night Raw, we have said from the get-go on this show that Luke Harper, don't be surprised down the road a piece, we see Luke Harper uh, fitting into a Kane-type role. Looks like he's going to be on Team Authority. You know, we'll see what happens there. He's a team player, as he says. Um, but still maintaining that, that Wyatt family character again. And and absolute gold right now, and, and probably the match I'm looking forward to most at Survivor Series, uh, Bray versus Dean Ambrose. <laughs> love what Bray is doing right now. Uh, love the interaction between him and Ambrose. So it's intriguing how they, they've branched off the Wyatts in, in three separate directions. They're They're not, you know, in a traditional sense of faction anymore, but there's not animosity between the three guys. So... At any point in time, it does make sense creatively. They could all come back together and, and wrestle together. Um, I, I find that actually, as, as much as we've ripped on creative a lot over the past few months, I'm very intrigued with this split because it's not a traditional split. And I'm very intrigued on where each one of these characters is going to go uh, as, as the months draw on. And, and consequently, like, will we see, like, uh, some internal strife from the Wyatts, or are they just going to kind of be this this faction that kind of split up, but maybe they come and help each other out every now and again? I find it very intriguing. It's a very unique split up as far as uh, a faction goes, Dave. Well, I, I agree with a lot of the sentiments that you expressed you know, moments ago. I wasn't a fan of the split. I thought there was creatively a ton of mileage for the three of them together, but the way that they did do this split, how you know, Wyatt in the promos and in the vignettes said that he has, he's healed Eric uh, Rowan. He has healed Luke Harper um, and how he is setting them free. Um, you know, and then after these vignettes would air, you know, the, the announcers, the broadcasters would say, is Wyatt setting these guys free to destroy the rest of the WWE? What's up with the Wyatt family? They still kind of tie them in together as a group, although that they have, they've had them separate and do their own thing. I find that very interesting and intriguing, like you said. And it also leaves the door open for the, for the possibility of the three of them getting back together if it calls for it creatively, if, they, if they're in a pinch, if they need something like this. Um, I think time will tell. I think this is, I think this is a, a good way to do it creatively. I think this is also partially an experiment to see how the other two, Rowan and Harper, do on their own. I truly believe that. I mean, they haven't taken the, the, the look from these characters and changed them up completely, and I think that they're trying to do something, you know, not different with these guys, but they're just trying to see if they can hang big time because they, they, have, they have faith in all three of these guys. You know, when they, you know, last year people looked at the Shield and people looked at the Wyatt, and they looked at, them, at both of them as the future of WWE, and look what's happened with the Shield, the success of that three-man group, and what's come of the, all three of those guys after the split. Now they go a different approach with a group like the Wyatt, and they, they split them up in a different way, but they want to see how they succeed on their own. Bray's a given. Bray Wyatt, in my opinion, will, will, will be a great talent on his own. He is me, Harper, and Rowan. It adds to the mystique of his character by having him there. But this, I think, in my, my opinion, excuse me, I'm talking all my words, this is designed to see what Harper and Rowan can do by themselves. It's an experiment, and if it doesn't work, guess what? Bray Wyatt can bring them back into the family and try to heal them again, you know, so, so that they can be set free again. I mean, it, 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 they've kept it close, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. They, they, they've kept the situation and the, and the story creatively close so that there's really no excuse if you completely break them away and then they fail on their own 
then you can't necessarily bring them back together. You know what I mean? If they change up their look and they change the gimmick and, 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 and everything else, if, if they fail on their own, then it's going to be hard to kind of make people to believe to bring them back as the Wyatts. Because let's face it, that, that this, like I said, I wasn't a fan of them splitting up, but they had a ton of mileage, the three of them together, and there was plenty more that they could have done. But unfortunately, I think another reason why creatively they split them up is because the more mileage you got with these guys, at least in my opinion, is the more you're pushing the envelope with with, with that with those characters. And of course, WWE is a PG-rated program. I mean, I didn't expect to see back in the spring, you know, 30 kids, little kids surrounding the ring with sheet masks, singing, you know, surrounding Johnson. That was some creepy stuff. That wasn't PG wrestling. Okay, that was borderline attitude error right there, and uh, I, I think right now this is a test for all three of them to see what they can do on their own, and uh, you know so far it's been very intriguing. Yeah, I mean I, I, I'm really enjoying it, and and it, it's got me at least you know in a in a period of time where there's there's not a whole hell of a lot that's interesting me. And I'll put it out there. We talked about it before beforehand in, in our pre-show. If not for this show, I, I, I may have taken a break from, from wrestling for a little bit. I, I mean, I really have not been into it. It's not grabbing me creatively. It's it's not exciting. Um, you know, I, I feel like at times like I'm watching Raw, you know, almost because I have to. I mean, I'm doing the show. I got to be up on what's going on, so I have to watch it. Um and it's tough, and I and I hate saying that because ultimately, deep down inside, in the the core of my being, I am a wrestling fan, and and you know it, it's I don't like talking like that. I don't like you know ripping on the product and being negative. I I, I really don't. Um, the the one thing that I am I I am really intrigued about creatively, and like I said, we talked about the Ziggler match, and I like the match, but like you know there have been good matches here and there, but a, a match is you know a moment in time. And it's great, and I admire the hell out of performers. And when it's a good match or great match, it's great. But it's the creative. It's the storytelling. It's what's going on in the context of of the plot development and the character development. That that's the stuff I'm into. And and a lot of it has been lacking across the board. I mean, when you watch a three hour Raw as of late, you know, there's it's just not grabbing me creatively. Uh, the Wyatt situation is. I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I'm intrigued by all three of them and, and what exactly they're you know they're gonna do. Um, I'm you know at the end of Raw last week, I, I thought that was a cool because I didn't see that coming. You know when when Luke Harper comes in with a with Ziggler's limp body and, and just says I'm a team player, I thought that was neat. Um, and I'm curious where they're gonna go with it. You know and and, and the type of character Luke Harper is and you know the, the, all of them in the Wyatts they're kind of loose cannons. I mean. You know, is he is he definitely going to join Team Authority? Is is there going to be some sort of swerve? Uh, who knows? But I I kind of liked it. I'm intrigued. I want to watch tonight to find out more of number one how the Authority is going to respond to to Luke Harper because they look shocked, and number two, do we get a a, a look into what Luke Harper's motivation was there? So that's something that's intriguing to me, and what Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose is doing. Um, that that character development, the interaction with those two stars, um, the promos with the two of them, um, you know, watching Bray Wyatt really expand that character in, into a real, you know, very eerie, creepy cult leader, and, and 
You know, it, what I like about this is finally, like, and you said it a few times, Dave, on the show, that, you know, it was the Jericho and the Cena run. Those programs with, with Bray Wyatt were very similar. Um, this, is a, this is a little different. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's similar, and it's in the context of, of, of Bray Wyatt's character, but, but it's, it's slightly different. And, it, it, you know, Bray is, is trying to save Ambrose, and, and I, I re- I'm enjoying the, the interaction back and forth. I'm enjoying the creative direction. So it, it's, it's something that, to me, is working, and I think it's good for Ambrose as well. Um, so, again, creatively speaking, I'm into these things that, that the Wyatt family's doing. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before the show, and, uh, you know, Wyatt and this, you know, whole healing, saving factor, you know, let me heal you, Dean, from, you know, all the the troubles from your past, your father abandoning you. These are things I thought I was going to see originally with the Bray Wyatt character and the Wyatt family when he first debuted. It came across very cult-like, you know, you know, brainwashing, but saving them at the same time. And I like that element that they've added to the character. It just, they, they, they've given you a little bit and make you want more with the two of them. And I, I think it's been good so far. It's lived up to it. I still stand by, you know, my, my, uh, my feelings on the end of the Hell in a Cell main event with, with Ambrose and Rollins that, you know, why it's interference. It made sense. It, it, it was a cool moment. It got you talking and it was and like I said, it had three young guys, the future of the business, headlining a pay-per-view, being on the last segment of the pay-per-view when the credits roll at the end. You know, people complained for years that, that, you know, we've seen too much of John Cena, we've seen too much of Randy Orton. Well, those guys were, you know, a part of the mid-card mafia that night, okay? The main event was Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt did a run-in. And those three guys have been looked at as the future of the WWE and the future of the business. So... I think the crying needs to stop. Um, as far as Survivor Series goes between the two of them, it should be a good match. I do see more from them. I don't see this as being a one-off kind of deal. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, some sort of non-finish takes place and then we'd see a rematch at the TLC pay-per-view, um, some kind of gimmick involved, maybe a tables match, maybe some kind of street fight of some sort. But, um, you know, the two of them, I, I can see them going into the new year and, and this kind of defining um, – not this rivalry, but, you know, the matches and, and the things that go on between the two of them, defining one another, heading into, you know, 2015. And it will really, to me, by the end of the year, with these two going at it, it will really be a tall tale as to where each of them are headed going into, you know, WrestleMania season next year. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and you're right. Like, we're, we're looking at the future, and, and they're they're throwing things out there, and they're taking, you know, trying to see – a you know, who's got that star potential and who maybe doesn't. And, and you never know. You know, you never know, uh, you know, the guys that definitely will rise to the occasion and, and perhaps those who, who, who wind up floundering. Um, but right now, these and, – and, and, again, it's like a double-edged sword. I mean, we're, we're expounding the virtues of, of these guys and what they're doing, but it's, you know, one of the only things that we're enjoying right now um, is, is what the Wyatts are doing. But it, it's so it's so intriguing – you know, with with these characters, because you can, they can go either way. Like you said, if if Luke Harper winds up floundering as a, a solo guy, you know they they can bring him back. They can reconfigure the the Wyatt family. It's it's a very interesting uh, quote unquote breakup with with this family. And 
And with it, you know, we got like intriguing stuff with Luke Harper, with the authority, perhaps inserting himself in some way, shape, or form into the main event now uh, at this pay-per-view. Um, Bray, arguably the match that I think most people are looking most forward to. Um, and Jesus, what, what the hell is Rowan doing? Well, I mean, I'm intrigued by it, but geez, I mean, care to speculate like what exactly is going on with Rowan? Uh, well, I mean, it, last week he had he had made you know brief appearances, and a couple weeks ago he made an appearance you know in a in a, in a promo um, with Renee Young, backstage interviewer, and then last week he came down to ringside. Um, people speculated he could be a part of the Rosebuds, but he was looking for um, female, saying that she's not here. Um, some people, as the I mean, the internet sources are saying that it could be that he's got some sort of crush on Renee Young, um, the character. I wonder if they're going with like a beauty and the beast kind of um, storyline there. You know, he's looking for his beauty. You know, he's not the, the, the best looking guy out there. He's got a, a beastly look to him, but I think he's going to draw like a, um, a lot of sympathy from people. I think he, I think he'll probably be the baby face out of the two, out of the three from the Wyatts during this, you know, this split right now, or at least people will be more sympathetic to his character, and he'll have like that weird sympathetic kind of heat that some people have. I mean, Kane had it for a little while when when the Kane character was developing, and it was and it was humanizing himself with you know with with the voice box, and 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 he was teaming up with X Pac, and X Pac was making him you know into more human. People were very sympathetic of this big red freak. I think we're going to see some things like that um, where the fans are, are sympathetic of of uh, Eric Rowan. But um, it's all very intriguing. Yeah, it, it is, especially with him too. Um, I mean, and it's it's intriguing enough that um, if it doesn't work, he's a weirdo. So you can always just put him back with Bray Wyatt, and you know, it, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him in like a mismatched tag team with somebody too. Like maybe maybe you do put him with the Rosebuds. Maybe he's like the muscle for Adam Rose. And, and they make them some sort of like you know oddball mismatch weirdo kind of tag team. I mean I don't know, but it they see few, they see potential in all three of those guys, like they did with the Shield. So whatever they're going to do with him going forward, um, they've got serious. At least it comes across to me like they got serious thought. It's interesting. I mean, you brought up the Shield. I mean, going into the, this uh, Survivor Series, it is intriguing. I mean, obviously we still. Uh... You know, have Reigns on the shelf, but you got to, you know, when you look at those two factions, you got, you know, all the Wyatts uh, making some noise. Perhaps we see Rowan at Survivor Series, uh, Luke Harper, uh, perhaps in, in the main event. And, uh, you know, the Wyatt and Ambrose, you got Ambrose from the Shield. You got Rollins, uh, arguably the top heel in the company right now in the main event. So uh, it's amazing when you look at these two factions and now they split up and, uh, you know, again, you are, you are starting to see. This. I mean, this is the future, and and it's sink or swim time for these guys. And you know, you never know. I mean, sometimes the guys you think are going to be stars, uh, you know, start off hot, and then they just kind of flounder. And you know, some of them, you know, maybe they they rise to the occasion. But it is it's intriguing right now to see that this is definitely we're getting to see uh, the beginning stages of of what the next ten years in the WWE is going to be. Three, four, seven. Eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. What are your thoughts on Survivor Series? Please don't call about Grumpy Cat tonight. Your thoughts on the Wyatts? On anything else coming into 
tonight's Monday Night Raw. We got a lot to talk about because, you know, we got we got where's Ryback stand. We got more to get into as far as uh, Survivor Series and what we might see tonight on Monday Night Raw. But it is time for that break, and we do it each and every week at this time at the top of the hour. Dave, you know what time it is. It's time for your 50-50 Dave News Report. That's right. It is time. Day five, fifty-six news update. Like the man said, heard at the top of the hour every single Monday night. Our top story this week: It seems that Global Force Wrestling is positioning themselves to be a serious contender in the landscape of professional wrestling. As GFW announced last week, that they have agreed to a deal with WWE Hall of Famer, good old JR Jim Ross, to call the action for the Global Force Wrestling produced event from the Tokyo Dome in conjunction with New Japan Pro Wrestling on January 4th, 2015. Sources out now say that Ross only agreed to the deal if he was to call the action live at ringside and not via satellite. Ross did reveal last week in his weekly blog that his deal was in, in the works for a few weeks now, but wasn't finalized until 24 hours before Global Force Wrestling made it official. No word on who his broadcast partner will be, but some have speculated that TNA announcer Mike Tenay could be a possible candidate if he were to not re-sign with TNA once his deal expires at the first of the new year. Speaking of TNA, it looks as if TNA's days at Spike TV are truly finished. For months, conflicting reports have speculated on the status between TNA Wrestling and Spike TV. Bleacher Report's Jeremy Botter spoke with Spike TV representatives at the Bellator MMA 131 event last week and confirmed that talks between the two parties have concluded and Spike will not work with TNA going forward. So, where does this leave TNA? PWInsider.com reports that TNA is extremely close to signing a new TV deal with Destination America from the Discovery Network. The channel is available in 60 million homes in the United States. All signs point to the new deal bringing less money for TNA at the start, but long-term, it also gives TNA more opportunities for, for other programs to air on their networks besides Impact. The idea is for the TNA product to be a top priority for the network and their rebranding, which why a multi-year deal looks to have been secured between both parties. No word on if this new partnership is true, but speculation has run rampant that this deal is close to being finalized, and a statement regarding such should be made shortly. Following news of the legal agreement reached by WWE and former star Alberto Del Rio, a.k.a. El Patron, Patron made a surprise appearance stateside for the first time since his release from WWE at Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore on Saturday night at the original old ECW arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The former Del Rio was prohibited from making any United States wrestling appearances due to a legal issue with WWE that was taken care of last week, as you can see with his HOH appearance. The real story here is that Patron revealed in an interview with friend of the Ken Reedy show, OneWrestling.com's Bill After, that he's about to sign two separate contracts with two different wrestling organizations in the United States, who both have television deals. Let the speculation begin, as Patron has stated publicly his desire to work for the upstart Lucha Underground promotion, whose show airs on the El Rey Network. 
the others? Well, there's only other there's only two other wrestling companies stateside that are currently on TV. TNA, who could be headed to a new home, as previously discussed here on the day five, and Ring of Honor, who's owned by Sinclair Broadcasting and is featured in over 25 television markets in the United States. Time will tell us where we will see the former Alberto Del Rio, but he did reveal that when the time is right, that he will personally announce his whereabouts in professional wrestling. WWE WrestleMania 31 tickets went on sale over the weekend, and reports out now say ticket sales were very strong for the opening weekend, but did not sell out as of right now. RingsideNews.com reports that the $35 tickets are going for $80 on StubHub.com, while ringside seats, which are at the whopping $2,000 range, are now ranging from $4,000 to $19,000 on StubHub. WrestleMania tickets on a secondary market are the most expensive they've been in recent years, and original ticket prices are also the highest for any show in the history of the wrestling industry. That whole $9.99 slogan sounds good about good right about now, doesn't it? <laughs> and our seriously, you're gonna spend seriously on a little side note, okay? You spend all this money to go to WrestleMania. You're gonna spend eighty dollars on the secondary market to sit way up top. When for nine ninety nine you can sit in comfort in your home without eighty thousand people and pay nine ninety nine. I mean, newsflash here, unfortunately I'm not gonna be at WrestleMania next year, but it's just way too expensive sometimes. I mean, yeah, when's enough enough? Like how much more money do they need to produce this event? I mean, it's it, it's it's appalling in some cases how much money these tickets cost. Almost as much if not more than the Super Bowl. Anyhow. My fifth and final story. Figure4WrestlingOnline.com confirms reports that WWE has indeed released the great Kali. The report out now states that Kali's contract had expired and the company had chosen not to renew it. This move comes as no surprise as reports out a few months ago indicated Kali was interested in pursuing a career in law enforcement in his native country of India, as well as continuing his acting career stateside which had gotten him noticed by WWE in the first place. And there you have it. That was the Day 5 News Report, the most informative news report in the, in the wrestling business today. Only heard here at the Ken Reedy Show every single Monday night at the top of the hour. Ken, steer the ship, please. Uh, good stuff. You know, it's interesting that, the, the you know, all stuff and, and all great stories, but the one thing that really stuck out for me is JR coming back to the mic and... and you know, we've talked a lot on the show. We've been very critical of some of the commentary that's gone on um, all over wrestling, and especially in the WWE. And, you know, it, it's I, I find this really interesting because, you know, as, as wrestling companies, you know, the WWE is on top. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be on top for, for quite a long time, one would assume. Um, so it's, it's interesting to watch how other companies, uh, TNA, ROH, etc., uh, try to make moves, um, you know, needle needle pushers, that you know, moves that you know maybe, you know, wrestling fans will be intrigued by. That that they'll, uh, you know, people who are purely WWE fans will be like, oh, you know, I, I should go and check this out. And and there hasn't been a lot of of needle movers, uh, you know, moves from these companies. I gotta say, man, you know, I, I'm really curious what's gonna come out of Global Force Wrestling. To be honest with you, I I wasn't someone that was going to run out 
and, and watch their first pay-per-view because, you know, Jeff Jarrett's getting back into the wrestling game. Uh, it was going to be one of those things, for me at least as a fan, was a wait and see. Let's see what their reviews are. Let's see what fans think. And then and maybe uh, I'll, I'll get into it. Just the prospect of being able to watch a wrestling event that JR is calling is, is exciting to me. And it, it's making me now really want to see what Global Force is all about. I think it's a terrific move by them. I, I think it is, too. I mean... When Jeff Jarrett first launched Global Force Wrestling, he talked about, you know, one of the slogans was giving the wrestling fans exactly what they want, being, you know, the the, the company to do that. And uh, a lot of promoters and people out there, they throw around slogans and cliches and, and, you know, don't necessarily deliver. But, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling did exactly what wrestling fans and WWE fans have wanted for years, was to let JR do his thing and be and be on the mic and call the action and 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 show off the talent that he has. I mean, they WWE took him off TV. They put him in different kind of roles every now and then. They have him appear back on TV, you know, special commentator match here and there. And they didn't feel that he was his look was. They felt his look because of his Bell's palsy was was you know um, distracting to the audience. And, and they didn't like that. That wasn't fitting for their product. And, you know, they, they looked to Michael Cole. And with all due respect to Michael Cole, he has his moments where, you know, he gets out of hand, but, you know, he gets a bad rap too. Let's face it. I mean, he's no different than any other sports commentator. People bitch and complain about, you know, the things that he's got to promote, like the app or the network or anything on social media with Twitter and hashtagging this and follow that. But nowadays in professional sports, you know, all commentators, they promote their network or their team's, you know, social media account or their website or the arena or whatever the case is. Or go on this website and check out the pregame video of so-and-so doing this or pregame interviews with that or locker room celebrations here. So he's no different than everybody else, you know. He's just got a job to do, and, it's, and, it, and it goes against the grain of what commentating and wrestling should be, you know, and what it's been in the past. Going back to JR, they're giving the fans what they want. Jim Ross is the best play-by-play guy in the history of the business, bar none. People will argue Gordon Soley, but Jim Ross, is, Jim Ross, at least for me in my generation, has been, his voice has been the soundtrack to some of the most memorable moments in the history of wrestling. Not just WWE, but, you know, some of the stuff he called in, in Jim Crockett promotions in the NWA, you know, WCW, that stuff was great stuff too. So, I think it's the, I think it's a step in the right direction for Jarrett and for Global Force Wrestling, and you know I'm not I'm still not sure what to make of it because they're promoting another company's pay per view, but bringing that pay per view for the first time to the United States, and you know they Jarrett has aligned all these working relationships with other international companies, AAA out of Mexico, all different companies overseas in Europe, um, and 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 Japan as well, you know has a relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. It comes across to me like Jarrett and Global Force Wrestling are almost trying to bring back some tradition to the business by kind of branching themselves out to be similar to what the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, was. We have all these different organizations under one umbrella. You know, he's made all these working relationships with all these different international promotions. Um, and, and truly trying to, you know, hence the name global in his product. So um, 
with Jr. on board, you've just you've legitimized, you know, who's calling the action, and especially and how highly regarded Japanese wrestling is, you know, and ha- how it's been for years. This is this is this, I wouldn't take the slam dunk, but like you said, I'm I'm almost willing to fork over twenty five thirty bucks, whatever it's going to cost, to watch this pay per view to hear Jr. call the action, and just to get a look and see some of this other talent I've never seen before. I agree with you, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm intrigued to see, like, some new talent, but it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, I, I got to see this pay-per-view. JRS. And and it's intriguing because, you know, and I was a small part, but I, you know, for a short time worked with the NWA. And part of the problem with the NWA is it got to a point where there were too many Chiefs, not enough Indians, um, and there weren't enough people, to me at least, that were operating in in the NWA with the best interest of the NWA at heart, and you know there there's too many titles across the the board. Uh, it was disorganized, um, you know, working behind the scenes with some situations with the NWA. Um, a lot of people involved just seemed like they didn't know their ass from their elbow. Um, you know, the NWA still exists. It's you know. Saying it's a shell of what it once was is is an understatement. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people who are running things in the NWA are, are serving their own best interests, not necessarily the best interests of the NWA as a whole. Um, you know, right now in, in in the world in in wrestling, you know, the independent scene, it, it's the new territories. I mean, that that's just that's the new territory system is is the indie scene. And, you know, we had discussed a while back, you know, that, that it might be good for TNA to get themselves involved with, with the independents. And, you know, we have, like, with PWS in this area, you know, the big independents, uh, to kind of get their, their name out a, a little more. And, and as of yet, that hasn't happened. You know, you wonder, is this something that the global force is looking to do to kind of branch out, uh, hook up with other promotions around the world? Uh, have a, you know, maybe some sort of TV product or maybe they, they hold pay-per-views in different areas. I mean, who knows? Um, but I'm intrigued. I, I'm really intrigued. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the product is. I mean, now, now you've, it's all, you've, you've baited the hook. Uh, I'm right there with you. You brought in JR. Now, now I'm a little excited. Now you got to deliver on a product. But I think everything, you know, the direction that Global Force is moving in, uh, it, it's, it's looking pretty positive right now. Oh, uh, tr- yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Jim Ross, not only his, his ability, you know, to, to, to call action and tell stories, but, you know, his, his ability to scout talent. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people don't remember this, but Jim Ross was the executive vice president of talent relations before it was cool to be the executive vice president of talent relations like John Laurinaitis. I mean, it's true. Jr. was the guy that helped build the foundation for WWE. You know, I mean, he had he had he had a, um, a I believe he had a hand in, in uh, evaluating talent when he was working with uh, World Championship Wrestling. But he was also like head of their television department too, um, and the broadcasting duties. But for the most part, he you know he double dipped his chip. In WWE, with with the uh, you know being a part of talent relations as well as you know on air with the, uh, the, the the broadcasting for you know the television show, and Jr. built the foundation for you know the big names. I mean, he signed The Rock, he signed Steve Austin, he signed Mick Foley. 
Um, you know, he took some of the names from WCW that had potential in a bright future and WCW that wasted them and brought them over to WWE. Chris Jericho, the big show. I mean, JR is instrumental in signing Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton, big names now. So, uh, having him involved not only for the broadcast portion of their promotion, but if you were to have him involved in evaluating talent, we don't even know if that's a deal yet either. He just may be a part, you know, doing this one-time deal with, with GFW and, you know, doing their pay-per-view, and that's that. I mean, we don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me if, they've all, if, if, if they're looking at keeping him around more for other areas like talent evaluation, and, you know, that would be a big detriment to me. I'll go on record as saying this. I personally think Vince McMahon and WWE kept JR around as long as they could because they knew JR was very talented and knew a lot about wrestling and in some ways knew more about wrestling than they did. And having him go over to the other side, to the enemy, or to whoever's competing with them would be a bad thing for them because JR knows about wrestling and knows about you know just talent in general and guys that are going to be needle movers in the business. I mean, he's, he's living proof of the names that I just mentioned that he signed. And I personally think that WWE made a big mistake letting him go. And he could potentially, I'll go on record saying this, potentially be the guy to help Global Force Wrestling be a serious player in the wrestling world on his ability to evaluate and scout talent alone. I totally agree with you. I I mean, I, I... I think I mean I'm hoping you know, and if anyone anyone from Global Force is listening, do what you can to that to make sure this is not a one-time deal to to bring Jim Ross into the fold and and you know whatever he you want to whatever he wants to help with, let him help with you know let him evaluate talent, let him do commentating. Um, you know I just think that's the sort of wrestling brain that uh, it's a no-brainer. Uh, you can bring that guy into your promotion, you bring him in, you bring him in. Um, and and it's it's sorely missed. You know, we've talked about it. The the one thing that Jim Ross excelled at is, you know, as a commentator, you know, your job really is to to call the in ring action, uh, to to be an enhancement to enhance what what the the product is. Essentially, if it's a bad match, as a commentator, you do what you can to make it passable. If it's a mediocre match, you make it great. And if it's a great match, you make it seem like you're you're seeing something historical. Uh, at commentating, your 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 job is to build up what is going on at that moment uh, in the ring. And I agree with you. You know, it's tough. I've I've listened to Gordon Soley. I've gone back and watched stuff, but it's always difficult when it's not your era. Uh, for me, no nobody did it better than than Jim Ross did. I mean, Jim Ross just. Uh, you know, almost every match, the way he was, his ability to call a match, you, you just almost always you felt like you were seeing something special. And let's face it, you know, he really he did wonders with with King as well. Um, and we're seeing a lot of the holes in King's game as far as being a commentator with without Jr. as his sidekick. So, um, you know, to me, like it's it's a great move by Global Force. I hope Global Force, you know, winds up. Doing really well, like you know, we keep saying, like we want to see that uh, that company that actually, you know, builds itself up and maybe maybe slightly at least threatens the WWE a bit. So great move right now. It's got me intrigued. Good work, Global Force Wrestling. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. 
Went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but that's a pretty important news story. We're going to go out to the phone. So we got our buddy Justin online. Justin, are you there? I can't miss you. How are you, Justin? Pretty good, sir. Doing all right? Are you excited? Survivor Series this Sunday. You pumped? I'm pumped up, man. What are you looking forward to most in Survivor Series? I pick, I vote for DX. What was that? I voted for DX. Oh, you're voting for our... All right, we'll, we'll jot you down there. So, so as of now, in our all-time Survivor Series poll on the Facebook, officially now, you have made it a tie. So the bad boys, the bad guys, sorry, the bad guys and DX are now tied. So you got to get on the Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Vote for this first-round matchup, bad guys versus DX. Get on there. It is tied right now. So i got to ask you, Justin, interesting stuff last week on Monday Night Raw. It looks like we got Ryback, and he's going to join. You know, John Cena comes out there to try and get him on board. And it looks like he's going to join the authority. Now, in the end, he decimates the authority. What are your thoughts on Ryback? Ryback is cool. You like Ryback? Oh, yeah. So where do you think he's going to wind up? You think he's Team Cena? You think he's Team Authority? You think he winds up someplace else? What do you think? He's going to be with Team Cena. You think so? I think so. You get to elaborate a little bit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Justin, you're awesome. Thank you, Ken. We love your phone calls. Well, let me ask you, did you watch SmackDown on Friday? Uh, of course I did. Okay, so what did you think of the Intercontinental Championship match between uh, Ziggler, uh, Kid, and um, Cesaro? I think... Um... Cesaro, he's a he's a good guy. You like Cesaro? Oh yeah, he's very strong, yeah. you know. See, it's funny, man, because we're big fans of Cesaro on this show too. But it seems like lately the the poor guy just can't buy a win. I know. What do you think he's doing wrong? He has to win the championship. Oh, so you're picking? So you think Cesaro at some point is going to take home the gold? He's going to. Some way, shape, or form, beat Ziggler for the IC Championship? Yes, he is. It's a bold prediction, my man. Bold prediction. I like where your head is at. Well, just so you know, I don't know if you're aware, but like Sunday, we're going to do another show as like a Survivor Series pregame to get you set for Survivor Series. Hopefully tonight, Raw. Hopefully we get a good Raw tonight. I got to ask you, Justin, are you looking forward to Grumpy Cat? Not really. <laughs> yeah. Me too. See, Justin gets it. Why is Grumpy Cat on my wrestling program? I will never know. Justin, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for giving us a call. Give us a call on Sunday when we're uh, doing our pregame show. Love to hear your thoughts on the the pay-per-view, and we'll talk to you real soon, buddy. All right. And tell Dave he's, he's the man. Dave, you're the man. Tell my girlfriend that. Tell <laughs> my girlfriend that. <laughs> Funny, Dave. Justin, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Ken. Take it easy, brother. Hey, yeah, right. You see, even jo- Justin gets it. We don't want Grumpy Cat on our wrestling program. Anyway, let's let's get off of that because I got to say, you know, 
as I'm watching Raw last week, the, the words of, of my co-host Dave are resonating in my head where we're talking last week and Dave says, you know, because it was, remember it was pre-taped and we, we saw, we heard that Ryback uh, quote-unquote turned heel and, uh, you know, basically turned on Cena and looked like he was going to join the authority. So we speculated a bit on Ryback's heel turn and Dave said, well, if, if it's a definitive heel turn, it's probably going to be a short run, a temporary deal. He's not going to be a heel for that long. Well, holy cow, you weren't kidding. Talking about being on the money with your prediction, that heel turn blasted, I mean, maybe the shortest heel run in history, maybe two and a half hours. And then in the end, so he's turning on Team Authority. We don't know where exactly Ryback's uh, allegiances lie, but they're definitely looking at building this guy back up again, Dave. Yeah. Uh, they, they, that, from what I read, last week's Raw was designed to do that, was to build Ryback up into a big deal, into a main event player, similar to the status that he had when he was opposing CM Punk at, at, you know, heading into the Hell Cell pay-per-view a couple of years ago when he was, when he was hot. When Ryback was you know, a very popular guy on the, on the roster amongst the fans at the time. Um, so last week's Raw was designed to do that. Um, and I, like I said, I had a feeling that it wasn't going to last long, only because they, they brought him back by himself, um, the Feed Me More chance. I mean, they've done stupid stuff before, but I don't think that they were going to try and screw it up again with him where they would go babyface, then go heel, and no reason behind it. Because um, they do consider him to be a part of their future. Um, one one of the, 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 the building blocks of their future um, because of his look, because he's popular, because he's a big guy, um, because he can, you know, he can connect with the audience in, in certain ways that other guys can't. So I didn't see the, the heel run lasting very long with him. Um, my thing with him, I just don't want the obvious that he's going to join Team Cena. I mean, he laid John Cena out, joined the authority, then he laid the authority out, but he's not really made it clear that he's kind of with Cena. I would kind of tend to give him – I would personally not have him on Team Cena. I'd, ha, I'd give him the loner, you know, kind of gimmick where he's kind of, you know, doing things on his own. Um, you know, have the authority punish him. You know, I would if I were writing the storyline, and let's get into fantasy booking 101 here. I'll get my booker hat on for a minute. I'll get my pencil out. Um, if I were writing this storyline, I'd have John Cena come out tonight and confront Ryback and want to discuss um, him possibly coming back on Team Cena. And then Triple H and the Authority intercept that and say, no, 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 we've already got plans for him for Survivor Series. And you could book Ryback in like a four-on-one handicap match or – if you want to get really creative, you can do a traditional Survivor Series elimination match with five guys against Ryback, and Ryback's got to eliminate all five guys, and he's got no partners. Um, you know, you can and, and have something off to the side with the authority and with Ryback. Don't make the obvious and have Ryback join Team Cena, because we laid out Cena last week. Why would John Cena, as a human being, why would anybody as a human being want somebody to be their partner after they just laid him out the week before? Like, I... I, I Realistically speaking, I don't think that makes sense. Um, so I would do something like that, and I would leave the spot open to promote that there's a mystery partner on Team Cena, and you reveal that at Survivor Series. Now, who could that be? 
Oh, there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, we've heard stories that Roman Reigns isn't expected to be back till December, possibly January. Well, anytime, I wouldn't say anytime, but a lot of times when WWE stars are out and they give them an extended period of time off, you know, there's no time, exact timetable on when they're scheduled to return. Or if it is, it's a very long time. We won't see them for a while. And then they make surprise appearances so that they keep things under wraps. John Cena's been known to do that. He won the Royal Rumble doing that in 2008. So we, maybe Roman Reigns will be like the mystery partner. Or maybe Daniel Bryan. Maybe Daniel Bryan isn't as hurt as everybody thought he was, and he'll come back as a surprise. You know, I, I think it would help them to have a mystery partner element to this storyline because the WWE Network is free this month, including Survivor Series. So you can get those subscribers that, you know, check it out for free and say, oh, my God, I got Survivor Series. And Cena had a mystery partner, and guess who it was? It was so-and-so. Oh, my God, we could see this next month. Blah, blah, blah. Let's go get the network. You know? I mean, it's, it's, you would think that they would go along those lines. But I have a feeling it's going to be Ryback announced um, as a part of Team Cena. Or he'll, he'll wait till the end of the night to make the announcement, this big dramatic pause, and then, boom, he's announced on Team Cena, and the place pops, and the authorities, you know, upset and pissed off, and they don't know what to do with themselves. Um, you know, the other mystery partner element could be Randy Orton. I mean, Orton's been uh, apparently off TV for a few weeks filming a movie. Survivor Series is in his hometown in St. Louis. Um, so there's a chance that they could just fly him in for this match and, and, and have him do the match and be a part of Team uh, Team Cena. Tonight, from what I'm hearing, Raw's going to have a contract signed between both parties, um, and we will have the teams finalized uh, by the end of the evening. So... Um, I wouldn't want to see Ryback and Team Cena. I'd like to see him do something different, like I said, as far as that goes. As far as the authority goes, and their final slot. Well, we talked earlier about Luke Harper, and we did, and we discussed Luke Harper, you know, getting involved and dragging Ziggler into the office and basically giving up his services for the authority, which I think would be a good fit for him. However, I would, I would stick Harper. I would have Triple H accept Harper as a team player, but not necessarily have him on the team. I would have Harper go one-on-one with Ryback and get rid of Ryback. Maybe Hunter, maybe Hunter and the authority can say, you know what, if you want to be on Team Cena so bad, you've got to beat Luke Harper at Survivor Series to get on that team, to be a part of that match. That's another route they can go. And what about Triple H? Let's talk about him for a minute here. His character, his job is on the line. You know, well, I would say his job, but his, his position of power is on the line. His fate in the company is on the line. And a, a guy as, 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 as tactful and as cerebral as Triple H's character is, you're going to trust five other guys to, 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 you know, hold your future in the palm of their hands in this match and defend the, the, the authority's future? I mean... I mean, Triple H didn't have, you know, the character didn't have a problem going out WrestleMania and pre- trying to prevent Daniel Bryan from becoming champion. He laced up the boots then. He laced up the boots twice against the Shield. Why wouldn't he want to go in there and do the work himself? Because he knows he's that damn good to do it. So maybe we see Triple H just jump in and say, you know what, if I want to do things right, I'm going to have to do it myself and I'll captain this team. Add some star power to the match, you know? Triple H coming out of, you know, returning after how many months being gone from wrestling to captain a Survivor Series team against John Cena's team. I mean, who knows? But the real story here that I want to discuss, and you can elaborate on this, Ken, is where does Dolph Ziggler fit in this? Because I have a suspicious feeling 
that all these beatdowns that Ziggler's taken and all this punishment he has taken for being a part of Team Cena is going to lead to a, another memorable Survivor Series screw job, and I have a feeling that Ziggler's going to be in the authority's back pocket for Sunday. I, you know, it's like, I mean, a, a lot of stuff, that, you know, all great points. And one of the things, I, before I get into Ziggler, I, I wanted to address, you know, remember that Ryback, when, when asked, you know, where his, his allegiances lie, he said, you know, I'm, I'm all about with Team Big Guy or Team Ryback. Like, he basically put it out there, you know, I'm my own guy. I like the idea that you had that, you know, him versus five other guys. I think it would be perfect for the authority to come out tonight and just say, oh, oh, fine, you're Team Ryback, that's who you are, that's what you're all about, you're not part of the authority, fine. Your team, that's it. You're the only one on your team and have them go against five guys. And maybe that's where you insert Luke Harper as one of the five guys um, in that match. Obviously, it would probably be the last survivor to go against Ryback, and I would guess Ryback would win that. But I like that idea whether it's Harper or five other guys, whatever, I, I like that kind of swerve. Like, fine, you want to you want to be Team Ryback? Fine, it's you versus these five guys. Um, I, I would like, to, and I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see that. I think that would be cool, but I think we're going to get the obvious, and eventually Ryback is going to wind up on Team Cena. I, I hope not. Uh, I, I want to see something intriguing, um, but I tend to doubt it. Uh, it's a it's funny, man, Ryback, with all the stuff that he's gone through. And and where his character, like, you know, was the peak of popularity and then basically plummeted. Uh, people dig him. People like Ryback. They like the Feed Me More chant. Uh, be interesting to see where exactly they go with, with his character. And that's an intriguing point to look for uh, tonight on Monday Night Raw. Totally agree with you. And, and you know, your, your points with, with Triple H, that character, the game, would never, ever... Leave leave it up to chance that that he would lose his positioning as far as uh, the the COO in in the WWE. Like that character, this storyline, he would make sure that that he was he was in that matchup taking care of business. So um, I yeah would add star power to the matchup. Totally agree with you there. I, I think it makes sense for the character. Um, so it's it's in. Intriguing to see where exactly they go with the Triple H character as far as the pay-per-view this this week. Uh, do we see him inserted into the matchup? Ziggler, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I love Dolph Ziggler. I think Ziggler has, has got, you know, all the talent in the world. Um, the unfortunate concussion, uh, you know, kind of pulled him out of uh, the main event status. And... You know, he has brought a certain amount of credibility uh, back to the IC title. I've liked his run as Intercontinental Champion. Um, joining Team Cena, uh, you know, it's... I mean, the authority put it out there. It's career suicide. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's 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 right there. It's it's ripe for the picking for, for just a... a a colossal screw job, and that's the type of thing, man, that you you put a you move Ziggler into main event status at that point. You know, he he turns and screws over John Cena uh, at, at the Survivor Series at the pay per view. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it right itself. I mean, right there, you would you would kind of figure pretty immediately you're going to have some sort of program with uh, Ziggler and Cena. So that puts Ziggler in the main event picture. Now you hope, you know, they they do right by him. But I I think it's right there. I mean, the the writing, the way they're setting it up, and we're we're going to discuss more obviously on Sunday for our pregame. Um, but I, I I would agree with you. It, it looks like right now, if if I were a betting man, that I would see a heel turn uh, going into Survivor Series, and and that makes me happy. I, I think he's been great. I like Ziggler a lot as as a heel, and I do feel like one of the things that's really lacking in in wrestling that that you know that that's lost from you know when we were younger, you know, with with the true heels and the true faces and. You know, what winds up happening is guys are good, and even though they're saying, like, arrogant, mean stuff, people just like them because they're, they're entertaining, and it's it's just been put out there, you know. You know, we see Oz. The curtain was pulled away, so we know it's all scripted. We know they're playing characters. And so guys get cheered, or maybe they shouldn't get, and Ziggler is one of those guys that he was a heel, but kept getting cheered more and more and more, and... All right, we got to make him a face. Um, I like heel Ziggler. I like the edge heel Ziggler. I like the arrogance, the the real biting, just just asshole arrogance that Ziggler can bring to the table. Um, you know, he could he could make anybody look good in the ring, um, and and a heel turn to me will just up his stock in the company. So I, I totally right there with you. I could totally see it happening. Um, but I think it would happen on Sunday. I think tonight we're going to be we're going to see a lot of solidarity with the teams. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything out of Ziggler tonight. I think the big question mark is is uh, Ryback going into tonight and where his allegiances lie. But you know, I mean, Dave, a lot of different scenarios uh, we've put up there. Even you know, interesting like you said with uh, you know the Triple H character. I thought it was intriguing that you had Ryback and Triple H nose to nose. It's quite a nose on Triple H, but nose to nose, um, you know, almost looking like are those two going to go at it? Um, but yeah, I would rather, in some way, shape, or form, like that character. And if it's not for, if it's not in the Survivor Series match, you know, if if the character Triple H is so incensed uh, that Ryback screwed over his team that he's going to take care of Ryback at Survivor Series, I think that works. But with everything on the line, with this whole company on the line, um, I, I don't see how it makes any sense for that character to not be involved in any way, shape, or form physically. I, I think you have to move Triple H into that, into some sort of physical role. I'm curious, Dave, with all the scenarios that you brought up with, with Ryback, if you're a betting man, are you seeing any of these out-of-the-ordinary things happening? You just think we're going to see Ryback on Team Cena. Unfortunately, I, I do think we're going to see Ryback on Team Cena. Um, I mean, the main event, you know, this pay-per-view is very main event top-heavy. I mean, we talked about Ambrose and uh, and Wyatt. You know, that's probably the second biggest match on the card, but there's not a whole lot left to, to, to talk about when it comes to Survivor Series, you know, because most of the guys that are, you know, the mid-card and everyone's kind of lumped into this main event. Um, you know, you have a big show Mark Henry storyline that, that they've lumped into this match. Sheamus and Rusev, they've lumped into this match. They've lumped in, you know, Cena and the Authority. That's like three right. That's three matches right there. Um, if you're to do separate matches, so um, 
kind of putting buyback in his own position and um, having the authority to deal with that on his own, it to me, it makes Ryback's stature seem more important and also gives the authority characters um, something to plan in mind for him. Um, but the face-off with him and Hunter was intriguing, and it was I think that was another experiment of sorts. I mean, it was we discussed it uh, recently about the possibility of The Rock and Triple H squaring off at WrestleMania uh, next year. Um, and now there's been talk that The Rock might not even make it to WrestleMania next year because he's going to be filming a movie around that time. Um, you know, there's always speculation on what The Rock could possibly do for WrestleMania season ever since he came back two years ago. But there's talk that this might not even happen now. Um, you know, that that face-to-face that the two of them had may not lead to anything at least this year. I mean, if you remember watching that promo back with Rock and Triple H a few weeks ago, Rock had said, or Triple H had said, this WrestleMania or the next, we can do it one more time. So they've kind of led you to believe that it's possible this year, but if not, then maybe next year. Um, So maybe putting Ryback into that role and potentially setting up him and Triple H at WrestleMania, it's a possibility. I think it's an experiment to see what was going to happen, to see the kind of reaction that was going to get. I mean, I'll go back to February where the Shield had come out and the Shield had demanded to have the Wyatts, demanded a match with the Wyatts. They wanted the Wyatts in, 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 in a, in a six-man tag team match and Triple H and the authority said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving you guys that. we got more important things to worry about. And Roman Reigns stepped right up in Triple H's face, and the reaction that that got from the audience was pretty big. And there have been rumors that Reigns and Triple H were supposed to meet and supposed to go at it. So all these things have been experiments, and I think that by putting Ryback on his, doing something on his own, and like you said, the scenario, Team Ryback, that could piggyback off to something else with him and Triple H down the line if they want to go that route, and, and depending on how it's re- uh, received by the audience. Unfortunately, like I said, I think we're going to get the obvious. I hope and pray not, because I think we need to round out the card a little better. I mean, you know, technically, Triple H's character is still the boss. If he wants to, he can make all the members of Team Cena compete in qualifying matches to join John Cena's team and rough them up before the main event Survivor Series and give them a disadvantage if he wanted to, because he's the boss. So, and you could you could do that, make the make the show and the card entertaining at the same time, you know, beef up the card a little bit. Um, so, those are just my thoughts on that scenario, on some of those scenarios. I'm hoping for an out of the box scenario with Ryback, but. Um, you know, with a contract signing, it, it seems like they, you know, they they booked this contract signing. That means that we're going to know all members of the team, and every team member is going to sign that contract. Um, you know, tonight on Raw. So I have a feeling that Ryback, I have a feeling Ryback will probably it will probably be something that's for the end of the show, and Ryback will probably be the last guy to show up and make his decision if he's going to join Team Cena or not. So I, I think that's how it's going to go. Unfortunately, I don't want to see it, but. I mean, they they got to do something though. I mean, right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but we got three matches signed for for Survivor Series. We got the traditional Survivor Series matchup: uh, AJ Lee and Nikki Bella for the championship, and uh, Ambrose versus Wyatt. So I mean, they correct, they, they got correct. they got to give us something. So I mean, one as we get ready for Monday Night Raw tonight, 
as much as, yeah, and, and it's partially because of what we've seen as of late, and it's tough because, you know, we're looking at it and we're expecting they're going to give us, you know, what what's expected. They're going to give us the usual. Um, but, you know, right now with the way this card, I'm, I'm hoping, like, the scenarios we're laying out here make sense, WWE. You know, if, if you you have three matches right now on, on your 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 pay-per-view. Now, in, unless AJ Lee and Nikki Bella are going to give us a 60-minute classic, which I doubt, wholeheartedly doubt, we're going to need some more matches on this card. You know, and especially for us during our pregame, we're going to need some matches to predict and discuss. Yeah. Um, but, you know... The, these these scenarios we're putting in play like make a lot of sense. I, I mean, I I kind of like the 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 Ryback in, in a handicap match. Um, again, like like I said, since he said in the the interview, you know that he's all about team team Ryback. So if, if that's who you are, then put put him in a handicap match. So I mean, when you look at the card right now, with the only the three matches booked, it does loan itself. For some intriguing things to happen tonight on Monday Night Raw, some some you know unique things. Some now you're figuring some matches got to get set up. What I'm hoping against hope is that we don't see you know just matches get thrown together as we've seen. You know they've gotten a lot better at that. Um, you know in years past though we would see that you know going into a pay per view there'd be a couple matches signed, and then the go home show would would book random matches. Um, I'm, I'm hoping we don't see matches that don't make sense. Um but it's open creatively. If creative can kind of can take the ball and run with it, obviously you're going into the last Monday night raw before Survivor series. You got only three matches. You gotta give us something. Um and it's interesting, like in the Survivor Series match, you, you got the I C title and the, the US champion in the Survivor Series matchup. Um the the world champion nowhere to be found at this point. Does he make an appearance? That you know, I mean, that would be shocking. That would be interesting. Of uh, if Brock shows up at some in either tonight via satellite, um, if he shows up at the pay per view on Sunday again, something I tend to doubt. Wouldn't bet on it. But you you would think you would hope as a wrestling fan with only three matches booked at this point, Dave, that we'd get something something out of the box. You know the. Survivor Series matchup, elimination match, that's going to take a long time. I'm figuring Dean Ambrose and Bray Wyatt are going to give us a nice long matchup at the pay-per-view. You know, AJ Lee and Nikki Bella, hopefully it's it's not painfully too long. Um, but, you, but you need more on the pay-per-view. Obviously, that's not enough. Now, with Survivor Series, when you do have the, the traditional Survivor Series match, always takes longer, so you don't need as many matches. But... Dave, you need more than three. Oh, exactly. Um, I heard a rumor that they want that there was a possibility of doing a um, a multi-team match for the tag team titles. Uh, Usos, Los Matadors, Goldust and Stardust, and uh, uh, Miz and Miz Dow. Um, from what we saw last week, with Miz and Miz Dow getting a, a a mini stunt double with Mini Miz, um, played by Hornswoggle. Um, might offend some people, but it wouldn't surprise me if they added another Survivor Series elimination match by having Mini Miz captain a team with Miz and Miz Dow and Golden Stardust 
against the Usos, the Matadors, and captained by the, the Bull, El Torito. Because they always seem to go back to that little midget storyline because I guess it's popular amongst the kids and little people out there. No offense to anybody who's little. Um, but it, it seems that's the kind of direction they're going in. So we'll probably see something finalized in the tag team house. An idea that popped up in my head that I thought would be detrimental for WWE and for their network is if they showcase some of the NXT guys on pay-per-view. Maybe even did, like, an NXT Survivor Series elimination match with, like, you know, Sami Zayn and champion Adrian Neville. They, they just they just debuted um, uh, Kenta, who's now known as Hideo Itami, and Finn Balor, who was known as Prince Devitt on NXT. You can showcase these NXT guys in a match on the pay-per-view and, you know, promoting. This is what you can see on the WWE Network for only $9.99 on NXT every Thursday night. You have a match between these guys. You show kind of like what they did a few uh, a month or so back on Raw, where they had those guys competing on Raw. I just think it would you could round out the card that way too as well. You got you still got the other Divas too. Maybe you throw the other Divas in a traditional Survivor Series elimination match. Um, who knows? But I, those Survivor Series matches, like you said, they take quite a while. You go back to the very first Survivor Series in 1987. There were only four matches on the card and they were all traditional Survivor Series elimination matches. And one of them was a 20-man match, 10 tag teams on each side. And that match took, I actually just watched it the other day, it took about 45 minutes to eliminate 19 guys in one match. The whole, it, it, was, it was just odd how, like, you go back, you watch you know, some of the older stuff, and especially the Survivor Series matches like that match, the 20 teams, I think it was captained by, like, Christ, who were the teams? Uh, of demolition and the powers of pain. But you saw, like, you know, 10 tag teams in this match, and every, all sides of the ring were surrounded, like guys all standing on the apron. So, like, when a guy shot another guy into the ropes, like three or four guys had to move out of the way or jump off the apron so the other guy can get thrown into the ropes, otherwise you're going to knock all these guys over. Um, but, you know, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but, yeah, they do need to round the card out a little more and make it, you know, uh, more entertaining and more enjoyable other than just three matches. They've been good about it, though, lately. Lately, they have. They've had, like, the card picked out, like, two weeks in advance, and they give you enough time to build up the whole card in two weeks. Now they don't. It, this, this month, I guess they didn't do that, but who knows? We'll see what happens. And, you know, it stands to reason, and it goes back to the point that we've made a few times about Survivor Series and the, quote, traditional Survivor Series match, and, and perhaps going back to... Survivor Series being a pay-per-view of Survivor Series matches and not just one or two. And, you know, that's one of those things. I mean, it has become abundantly clear that the post-SummerSlam post year, part of the year in the WWE, is, is kind of their off-season. Uh, things seem to take a dip uh, for the latter half of the year. Um, and I'm not crazy about it. And I, I don't know... You know, one of the things we talked about with the network is we thought, you know, trying to build this network that maybe that would uh, enhance creativity and enhance the product because they're trying to sell it. And, uh, you know, maybe there wouldn't be any off-season anymore because they had to sell this network and they had to, you know, make hot storylines and, and get people uh, intrigued with, with the network and the product as a whole. It's not the case. and It's surprising. 
Um, you know, and right now, you know, I thought that most of 2014, the WWE put in some pretty decent programming. But, you know, if the numbers aren't where they, they want it to be as far as subscriptions on the network, it's your own damn fault. It just hasn't been good lately. And, and what I find intriguing is, you know, if this is kind of your off season and you don't put a lot of thought into the latter half of the year and you don't put a lot of thought into Survivor Series having only three matches you know, signed going into the, the last Raw before the pay-per-view. I, I, what I don't understand is that why not just go back to your traditional Survivor Series with all Survivor Series matches? It would make it easy for creative. You pick a couple of captains that are going to go at each other, and then over the course of the Raws leading into Survivor Series, it's these guys trying to put teams together. It's qualifying matches for certain teams. It's that you you just the Raws write themselves. You have like you said four matches. You have four or five Survivor Series matches. So you have you know ten captains, eight to ten captains, and those guys have to go out and find teams for their matches. It, it kind of writes itself. It, it's easy whether you want to have them picking guys for their teams, qualifying matches, just guys that happen to be friends or or uh, factions. But to me, you could put – it makes it easier to have decent Monday Night Raws and have the pay-per-view have a purpose if you have these traditional Survivor Series matches than what you're giving us right now. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been a big proponent of keeping the Survivor Series concept alive, um, you know, as the overall whole pay-per-view being a part of that. Um, they don't have a problem throwing a gimmick on every other pay-per-view, but – this one, they just kind of watered down and turned it into just like every other pay-per-view. Um, one point I want to make here. On the WWE uh, Raw pre-show on the network, a graphic was just shown of the tonight's contract signing between Team Authority and Team Cena, and there was a graphic, and in that graphic it showed Luke Harper's picture with Team Authority. Um, and it's all over WWE's Twitter page, too. It's also announced that um, Rue Carper will wrestle Dolph Ziggler on tonight's Raw. So it looks like we've seen that, that it's official that Luke Harper will be a part of Team Authority going into tonight's Raw and heading into Survivor Series Sunday. Um, as far as, you know, the, 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 the creatively speaking with the, um, the, the Survivor Series and the traditional Survivor Series format, like I said, Ken, I agree with you completely on bringing that back and making that a part of you know, uh, uh, Survivor Series more and, and all the matches, four or five of those big matches. Um, but I think they need to change the concept up a little bit. I think there needs to be something more at stake than just, um, you know, just pride and just bragging rights, so to speak. Um, we talked about it before, but you know, I thought this was a great concept that they did one year for Survivor Series and they, they didn't do it after that. was in 1990, they did you know, a grand finale match of survival where you had survivors from winning teams join forces to have one big match. It was a five-on-three match. It was like Teddy DiBiase and the Visionaries against like Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Tito Santana in a, in a five-on-three match. And it was called the grand finale match of survival. And I just thought that concept was pretty cool that all these survivors come back for one big match at the end to see who is the ultimate survivor, the sole survivor. And I think if you incorporated that back into the gimmick, you incorporated that back into, you know, Survivor Series um, going forward, 
you could add some sort of stipulation that the sole survivor, the last guy standing, the ultimate survivor, whatever you want to call him, is granted a title shot, whether it be at the next pay-per-view or it be at the Royal Rumble or whatever, or they get a, or they get to pick their spot in the Royal Rumble match, something along those lines to make make it add some importance to it. Here's another idea, and Mike Ferrer, Mike Ferrara brought this up, and I'm not usually big on agreeing with him because he just rambles on and blasts and never shuts his mouth. I love him dearly. He's a great supporter of the show, but sometimes it's just a little too much. And if you're listening, Mike, know that I truly do care about you. Sort of, kind of, maybe. I'll let you figure that out on your own. Anyhow, Mike Ferrara brought up an idea about the wild card factor. In 1995, WWE did a Survivor Series elimination match. It was four-on-four, but it consisted of a mixture of baby faces and heels. On one side, you had Shawn Michaels, the British Bulldog, who was a heel, Ahmed Johnson, who was a brand-new newcomer, who was a baby face, and Psycho Sid, who was a bad guy. On the other side, you had Owen Hart and Yokozuna, who were tag team champions. You had Dean Douglas was a heel, and you had Razor Ramon, the Intercontinental Champion, and all these stories kind of intertwined with each other and made for a very interesting build-up going into that Survivor Series. It's like, can you try, even trust your own teammate? So if they kind of did the Survivor Series where they brought all the traditional ba- matches back, but you had to team up with your enemy instead of going against your enemy, you know, having you team up with your worst enemy, kind of mixing it up and having a mixture of baby faces and heels um, I think that could be intriguing and creatively would, would, would add more interest to the Survivor Series and kind of help bring it back to its prominence of being one of the big four events that it used to be for WWE. And again, like, you know, it's one of those things where it, it, it benefits, I mean, it benefits us as a fan because it gives you a creative direction, it, it adds importance. But to me, to make, it makes it easier for creative. If you, if you add these stipulations, if you put these these things in place, you put survivor, you know, traditional Survivor Series matches. I actually, I love the Ultimate Survivor kind of match. And as you're talking, I'm sitting there thinking, and you know, the perfect thing would be whether it's pick the number or you know your number, you get number thirty in the Royal Rumble if you're the Ultimate Survivor. And then what you, it's one of the big four, and and what you do with that is you have this Ultimate Survivor match, and there's ramifications with the Rumble. And and you're able to just kind of fold it over as you're getting, you know, out of one year into the other, getting yourself ready for WrestleMania season. It kind of gives you that taste that, you know, yeah, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season is coming around the corner, and you kind of put that stipulation in the Ultimate Survivor match, and then you're kind of, now you've you got your audience and your 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 crowd and your, your supporters and fans, like, looking forward to the Rumble. So, you know, I think there's a lot you can do and again, it's it's weird because it's to me it's pretty easy. The, the the survivor traditional Survivor Series matchups would just you know make it easy to to put these pay per views together and, and it would give your Raws direction. So to me, it's it's win win. It, it makes creatives' job a little easier, and it also I, I think for us as fans that we'd probably enjoy it a little more. So it's intriguing how they continue to just steer clear of going back to. Uh, you know, all Survivor Series matchups. Again, Dave, I think it's a step in the right direction that we're getting in as a main event this year, but I still, I would like to see top-to-bottom Survivor Series matchups. So as we get ready to the, for the final Monday Night Raw before the big pay-per-view on Sunday, remember, tune in at 6 o'clock. We'll give you a full two hours on Sunday, 6 o'clock. 
get you ready for the pay-per-view on Sunday night, our special pay-per-view pregame. So be sure to tune in that night to, to hear us get you ready for Survivor Series. But as we head into this Raw, the last Raw before Survivor Series, um, what are you looking most forward to tonight, Dave? I'm actually looking forward to the uh, the, the the Dolph Ziggler Luke Harper match. Um, two guys who've never been in the ring before, as far as I've seen on WWE TV. Um, I think they they they've kind of hot shotted it a little bit, considering last week, um, you know, they had an interaction and they're automatically just going to put them in a match. But at the same time, you know, both guys are great in the ring. I'm looking forward to that match the most. I think, you know. It, they're, it'll just work. It'll work well with each other, the, the, both of them, in ring wise. I think it'll be a good match. I'm looking forward to Grumpy Cat. Yeah, I, I need I, to get I'm looking forward to when I don't have. I'm, uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's amazing though how much Grumpy Cat resembles CM Punk. If Grumpy Cat shows up tonight and there's a CM Punk chant, then that would be, that would be slightly amusing. But seriously, I'm actually looking forward to, to the Ryback thing and how, you know, this this you know Ryback 2.0 continues to evolve and uh, you know what Triple H uh, thinks about Ryback and, and what Ryback uh, did last week and how um you know so it's really I guess uh, two things the Ryback thing and the Triple H thing I'm just looking forward to uh you know how that plays itself out Ryback's uh, interaction with the Authority and and you know, what they may do to uh, get him back for, for last week. So I'm looking for, I mean, it's interesting. I find the whole Ryback thing very intriguing because he's, you know, they, they, it's almost like they eliminated like a few years and just they, they've gone back and, and people are buying in. People aren't like, well, what, what did, you know, it, it's interesting that automatically people are just right on board again. I don't know how much longevity this character has presently constituted, but it's pretty interesting to see where they're going, and, and I want to see where that's going to go. So that's what I'm looking forward to, the Ryback factor. Again, remember, tune in on Sunday for our special Survivor Series pregame show. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. For Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody. <laughs>